This is a broadcast of Holland United Church of Christ. At Holland UCC, we seek to open the mind and engage the heart. We are a community of justice, peace, and affirmation in Holland, Michigan, where everyone is welcome to the table. Our scripture today is the Holy Gospel according to John. The Holy Gospel according to John. It's John, the second chapter, verses 1 to 11. On the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to them, Fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. So they took it. When the steward tasted the water that had become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the steward called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk. But you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee and revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Thanks be to God. Well, friends, we've all had times in our lives, in our spiritual lives, where we've hit a dry spell. A time where we feel disconnected or disillusioned or just dry. A time where the wine has run out. Well, for me, uh, it came after a time of extended exploring the best scholarship on the historical Jesus, because I was in pursuit of wanting to support all the doctrines that I had been taught in the church growing up. I wanted to know what's really true about Jesus. What can we really know if we dig deep down? And so I dove into the historical context of the first century, the Jewish roots of the Gospels, the political, social, religious matrix of the Roman Empire and Greek culture, and I even studied and read the Gospels that weren't included in the New Testament canon. Surely somewhere I would find the answers to my questions. Was Jesus really the second person of the Trinity, and what does that even really mean? Did all those miracles actually happen? Was the primary purpose of Jesus to die for my sins so that I could go to heaven after I die? And is the point of faith really about the afterlife more than about this life? And who wrote the Gospels? And when? And why are there so many discrepancies among them? 
All these questions and more were in my mind. And the deeper I dove into the history and the scholarship, of course, the more my questions grew and the larger became my doubts. My doubts about heaven, hell, Jesus, God, everything really. What if we've made it all up? What if my religion was my religion and my faith was Christianity primarily because of when and where I was born and not because it was, quote, the one true faith or because I was somehow predestined by God? What if Jesus never meant to found another religion and Christianity was just an accident of history? What if God could be found in other faiths, like Buddhism and Islam and Judaism, to name a few? And how come some of the most moral people I know aren't even religious at all? My wine had run out. The jars were empty. My pursuit of the truest truths about God and Jesus were hitting a wall and I just wasn't really sure about any of it anymore. And that's not the most fun place to be and I wonder if any of you can relate. It's a spiritual wandering, a wilderness of sorts a place where you don't have any of the old supports to rely on. But it's also a place where you can begin to discover who you are, where you can tear down the supports and even the foundations of what you were handed and can begin to start over. You can begin to start fresh. And so even as I was reading the Bhagavad Gita and the Quran and the Upanishads and various philosophers. I never did let go of Jesus. Or perhaps he never let go of me. But it wasn't the same simple Sunday school Jesus anymore. It was an unvarnished wilder and earthier Jesus. One who was closer to the ancient prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah and even modern ones like Martin Luther King Jr. and James Baldwin and Audre Lorde and June Jordan. One whose voice shook the powers that be and gave hope to the downtrodden. One who would shake with anger at the heresy of Christian nationalism. One who would never support the kind of Christianity that puts America first, that worships the free market and zeroes in on one social issue to the exclusion of all others. No, this Jesus was much more alive than the one I had previously known. James Cone was born in Fordyce, Arkansas in 1939 and grew up in the small town of Bearden. And there he experienced the life-affirming community of the black church alongside the soul-crushing reality of white racism. And through sermons, songs, and prayers in the African Methodist Episcopal Church, Cohn learned how, in his words, to deal with the contradictions of life 
and he was given a way to create meaning in a society not of his own making. Now, Bearden, Arkansas, the town he grew up in, had a population of about 400 blacks and about 800 whites, so about two to one ratio there of whites to blacks. And the whites in his town, Cohn explains, tried to make us believe that God had created black people to be white people's servants. I'll say that again. The white people in his town tried to make us believe that God had created black people to be white people's servants. And white racism led to separate but equal schools, in quotes, segregated movies and restaurants, beatings and arrests, and political and economic inequality. Well, James Cohn felt a call to ministry at an early age, and he was inspired by Martin Luther King Jr., and he often questioned how uh, the whites in his town could even consider themselves good Christians. Great question. And yet, even with this powerful upbringing in the black church, Cohn experienced a crisis of faith. It was the voice of Malcolm X that brought him to this crisis point. Malcolm X proclaimed loudly that Christianity is a white man's religion. Imagine hearing that as a black person raised in a black Christian church and yet experiencing so much hatred and injustice and prejudice at the hands of white people and hearing Christianity is a white man's religion. Man. Malcolm X went on to say that blacks should adopt an understanding of God that grew out of their own history and experience. And he railed against a blonde-haired, blue-eyed Jesus and a belief in the delayed rewards of heaven. Cohn said this, he said, I was within inches of leaving the Christian faith because the faith, as I had received it, no longer explained the world to me satisfactorily. I can relate to that. That's where I was as well. And yet we were raised in two very different places. But a crisis of faith, where the wine is run out, is a prerequisite to having the jars refilled in a way that can give life again. James Cone knew that if he were to remain a Christian, he would have to reinterpret his faith to respond to the demanding times that he lived in. Well, he did just that, and he went on to be one of the most powerful and influential black liberation theologians of our time. Sadly, he did pass away recently. His book, The Cross in the Lynching Tree, should be required reading for every white Christian. I'll say it again in case you want to write that down. The title is The Cross in the Lynching Tree by James Cone. And Cone writes in no uncertain terms that the cross is not good news for the powerful. It is not good news for those who are comfortable with the way things are. And it's not good news for anyone 
whose understanding of religion is aligned with power. Well, in our text, after the wine is run out, Jesus' mother says to the servants, do whatever he tells you. And the gospel notes that there were six stone water jars nearby, right? They were standing there, these six large stone water jars, each holding uh, 20 to 30 gallons. And they were primarily for the Jewish rites of purification. And so you'd imagine these jars would be more at home in the temple than in a Jewish home in Cana. But nevertheless, here they are in our story and they're referring to a prominent part of Jewish life in the first century, right? A time when the prominent religious struggle was a preoccupation with the problem of impurity. And so this story, says Gil Bailey, is really about the collision between the ministry of Jesus and the conventional religion of his time. And he says, we could say, lest we think this has something to do with the Jewishness of this religion, that there is always a collision between the ministry of Jesus and the conventional religions of the time. Right? So please hear that, right? This is, this is not an anti-Jewish reading. Right? This is a paradigmatic collision that must happen again and again in history. And I believe must happen in our own lives if we are to experience the miracle of new wine. Because, friends, too often the conventional Christianity of our time is so focused on the life after this one that it has nothing to say to the real challenges we're facing here and now. The conventional Christianity of our time has too often turned a blind eye to white supremacy. Or let me rephrase that. It has been saturated with and built on the lie of white supremacy. The conventional Christianity of our time says to put my own comfort and desires first, even during a global pandemic. The conventional Christianity of our time says that truth can be of our own making, especially when it serves to make us wealthy or helps us hold on to political power. The conventional Christianity of our time has no problem demonizing and shutting out the immigrant and the refugee through false narratives rooted in fear. The conventional Christianity of our time has no problem ignoring our treatment of the earth and the warming climate because it's rooted in the false belief that heaven, late, heaven later matters more than life right now. The conventional Christianity of our time is drunk on the on the wine of power and privilege and Jesus would spit it out of his mouth. It is time for the jars of American Christianity to be emptied and to be seen for the toxic poison that they too often are. So friends, I don't know where you are today on your journey. I know that many of us have found our way into this community because we've experienced one crisis of faith or another. Right? We've discovered along with James Cone that the faith that we were handed no longer explains the world satisfactorily. And this isn't a journey that anyone can take for you. It's not a journey 
with easy answers. And it's a journey that takes our entire lives. But it is, of course, a necessary one. Listen to this invitation from Brian Zahn. He says, there is a road that leads to Cana, the place where miracles can begin, the place where Jesus turns water into wine, There is a kind of Christianity that looks like a wedding feast. It's why I still say, come with me. I want you to find the beautiful faith that lies beyond the cruel confines of fundamentalist fears and political agendas. I want you to find the generous orthodoxy that transcends tribalism. I want you to find the sacred mystery that is far deeper than shallow certitude. I want to say, come with me. Come to Cana. Come to where Jesus is turns water into wine. And so if you're out there today, friends, wandering somewhere in the wilderness, feeling like you are wandering and wondering and don't know where to turn, know this, you're not alone. And the wine won't be gone forever. Amen. May it be so. invited to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. streaming on Facebook. You can also watch these messages on the Holland UCC YouTube channel. And for more information, how to get involved or to support our work, like us on Facebook or visit hollanducc.org.